0: This podcast is brought to you courtesy of Renault, the world's most exclusive sunglasses. is now available at renault.co.uk and at select boutiques around the globe. You
1: are listening to the Official Concept Podcast. Enjoy listening to Alan. Today on the Official Concept Podcast, we're interviewing Asira Tialo. Welcome, how are you?
0: Hey, aloha. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, everything is great
1: yeah it is a pleasure and an honor to be interviewing you i've I've looked into your uh, history and as I was able to say that I have a very high amount of respect for you
0: oh I appreciate that you know this is amazing like I'm doing this podcast from like halfway around the world I'm like, how in the hell did you find me so but I really appreciate this this is incredible and what you guys stand for is amazing so
1: the first question I'd like to ask you is, a former NFL player who played nine seasons came out and shattered stereotypes. What was going through your mind when you couldn't be yourself for all those years? And tell us the journey it took to tell the world about your feelings.
0: Oh my gosh! Uh, what a, um, so where do we start? Um, I tell you, it's been um, that journey was absolutely um, difficult in a way, but I you know it's it's one of those things where. Playing nine years in NFL, it didn't just it, it just didn't start there. It started when I was a little kid, right? And uh, when I was a little kid, uh, I knew I was different. Um, when I was a little kid on the playgrounds, I saw um, my friends beating up this other kid, calling him names, spitting on him, throwing rocks at him. And, and I asked my friend, why are you doing that, right? Why are you... And they say well because he likes playing with the girls right he likes playing with dolls and uh, uh he likes boys and they're calling him these you know polynesian different you know these these polynesian names you know faggot uh, like like fafafine. and so um when i asked my friend that and he told me uh you know he told me that all i was i was thinking about to myself it was like wait a minute i like playing with the girls right and i like you know i wanted you know, playing with the dolls. And, you know, I wanted that easy bake oven and never <laughs> got, but it was one of those things where, what I saw uh, that time on the playground was hate, I saw. And then I was looking at that kid that they were, you know, they were teasing, I saw myself. And so what I saw was hate. And so that is the day I tell every, uh, everyone that uh, that is the day where I, um, I, I put that child within me, the child that we have within all of us. I put that child and um, in, in, you know in the closet, and I slammed the door. And then right after that, I had to become bigger and stronger and faster, so no one would call a seratu'a olo' gay or a faggot or fuckati. And so, um, so that's sort of you know to talk about um, you know to talk about my my life. You have to sort of kind of go way back when it first started. And so, um, and that's where the journey started for me, where I had to sort of um, you know, do all that I had to do to sort of make sure people did not know that I was, you know, was was game. Uh, playing, you know, fast forward, playing in the NFL for nine years, you asked me the question and stuff, how did I do it? You know, it's one of those things, I think, um, something that uh, you just sort of, it just happens, right? It's one of those things where, I guess all the things that happened to me, all the hurt, all the pain that happened to me when I was a little kid, um, helped me throughout those times being in the NFL. Um, I tell people every single day of my life playing in the NFL for nine years, I woke up, you know, like everyone else. I put on my clothes. But when I walked into that locker room, I transformed myself into someone I wasn't, right? A, a gay man. I mean, a straight man. Sorry. I apologize. A straight man. And so that was sort of like my, you know, my life um, during, in you know, uh, in the NFL. And I tell you, it was just one of those things where I – um you know you asked me that question it's so difficult because i'm not sure how i did it but i just did it uh, a lot of it has to do with you know uh, my faith in god and you know praying all the time right and um also uh, a lot of it had to do and stuff with some of the mentors that you know um that i came across um, throughout my life uh when i was in college um one of my coaches coach waffle um sort of kind of took me along and taught me mental toughness and taught me all these you know t- uh, taught me you know about life uh, I remember him waking me up at 2 a.m in the morning right to go and uh, run hundred yard dashes just me no one else right on the team and I asked him one you know once I said why why just me not everyone else and he was telling me because I'm trying to teach you mental toughness right I'm trying to teach you um, 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 heart. And he said, next year, you're gonna be going against a bunch of All-Americans and guess what they're doing right now? And I said, what? They said, they're sleeping and you're out here training, right? And so that's sort of kind of, you know, guys, you know, mentors like that really sort of helped me uh, with that mental toughness, helped me throughout, you know, some of the hardships of my years. But to tell you the truth, it was just one of those things where, um, you know, I don't know, I guess, when when you are put into a situation and stuff, you know, you just sort of kind of do it. And sometimes you have no explanation on what that is, but you just pray to God that, you know, hopefully and stuff that you come, you know, come out to the, you know, the end of the tunnel. And so um, all nine years of, you know, playing in the NFL and having to sort of jump over hoops and having to sort of please other people uh uh, was very difficult but i tell you what it was it was one of those things where um um, i think it made me the man i am today you know coming out uh, back in 2002 and um it was just one of those things where um it felt so amazing uh to come out and live in my truth uh in 2002 i came out uh, on real sports uh with brian gumbo and um and I tell you what when i um, when he asked me when i when i when he asked me that question, you know what my big secret was and I told him that I was gay I tell you it took me a, it took me a long time to it to say that word to say those words to the interviewer and something that was supposed to sort of like just take a day a half a day to film it took us like a day and a half because I couldn't get those things out but I tell you what when I did when I said those words for the first time that I was gay to actually you know actually the world, it um it felt absolutely amazing, right? To sort of um to sort of, you know, just have that that burden that I was carrying throughout my whole life, this crumble, right? And it felt amazing. And I tell you, you know, but I you know, I tell you, it was just one of those things where I, you know, I tell people I felt light as a feather, but when I jumped on the scale, I was still 350 pounds. Um <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, um, but I have to tell you this. It was um, what was so beautiful about that is that I was able to go back and open up that closet and let that little child out, right? The child that I that I shoved in there when I was a little kid. And I have mm-hmm. to say this, and I think you know when you interview other, you know, um, with um, other athletes or other people that come out and share their stories, um, the one of the um, one of the sort of the similar things that they always say is that we felt complete, right? And that was um because we were able to get that that you know that child that we put in the closet when uh, when we were a little kid, bring them on the closet and we've you know for the first time in our lives we felt complete and we felt whole and it felt just amazing right to be able to um to 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 feel that way and to
1: um to sort of express who you truly are. For everyone who's listening, uh, today in in the society that we live in, it is hard to come out. But we're saying that back in 2002, 2004, you could lose your whole career and you could have a very uh, negative backlash as well. So, Bro. Well, we have
0: yeah. to go. You have to sort of, kind of go back, right? Because I, I played like in the '90s, right? So the '91, yeah. so it was even more so homophobic, right? And mm. uh, you know, it was uh, every single time the topic of homosexuality would come up in the locker rooms, or you know, uh, in that environment, it was always negative, and it was always, um, you know, a fight broke out. Um, but back then, like calling somebody a fag or queer was sort of like, you know, calling their mother, like, you know, a whore. I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah. Can say right. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. and it was, it was like, it was fighting words, right. It was so degrading, uh, to be part of, you know, to be gay back then in those days, right. It meant like you were a girl or you played like a girl or you're a sissy or you're weak, right. It always, uh, but I tell you what, it was, it was, it was, it was one of those things where um it really hindered and it really you know took a toll on me when i played in the nfl because because of all the slurs and because of all the the language and because of all you know the environment that i was in you know every single time i would like you know hear the word it was always negative or you know, being in the closet making a sack or a tackle, right? And hearing your name echo throughout the stadium and seeing yourself on the jumbotron, you know, people were like, you know, you're you worried and you get that panic attack of like, oh, somebody's gonna recognize me and somebody's gonna out me, right? Somebody mm-hmm. that I slept yeah. with somewhere, you know, I mean, you know, in the in the darkness, in the you know, in the shadows, you know. Um, it, it was one of those things where you always had that that panic attacks, you know, that came along with those.
1: Before you came out, uh, were you leading a uh, a legitimate uh, second life, or were you going on dates with other men, or was it solely you were just in this mindset where you have to be one hundred percent straight, and it's wrong to think anything of? Uh,
0: well, early in my career, um, early in my career, I, uh, I, I I had that mindset of you know acting straight, dating women. Going out to strip clubs, you know, with the guys and stuff like that, Um, you know. um, So it was one of those things that sort of was like my mindset back in there. But um, after multiple times, multiple times of thinking about killing myself, and multiple times of, you know, trying to kill myself, uh, a friend of mine is back in uh, nineteen, I believe, ninety six, gave me a book, David Copay, right. And if you don't know who David Copay, you can use the, the Googleizer or Google. And uh, David Copay was the first um, out, um, and a, a gay NFL player back in the '70s. But he came out afterwards, just like me. And he gave me his uh, he gave me the, his book, and I read that book from from cover to cover. And it was one of those things where it really opened up my eyes, and it really gave me the strength to sort of, kind of, you know, what? I don't want to go through what David went through, man. I want what everyone wants. I want what, you know, what, um, you know, um, You know what, you know, my player, my, uh, you know, the players have, right? Um, and so when I read that book, um, after reading that book, I opened up myself to, you know, hey, if something comes along, if I meet somebody, uh, obviously it's going to have to be in the shadows, in the darkness. Um, I'm just going to be open to it. And so, and so that's what happened. A year later, after reading that book, I met somebody. And, uh, and we were, our relationship was in, in the darkness, right? It was in the shadows. We couldn't share um, you know, our relationship with anyone. And he was an amazing guy. And uh, not was, he still is, um, his, um, his name was Mitchell. And you know, he sort of was out of the closet, but he came back into the closet for me and it was one of those things where um i was just happy right to be able to to have someone to share my life with and i think a lot of people don't realize this right um for me it wasn't about uh, i wasn't scared about getting hurt right i'm 6'4 i'm 300 pound and i'm Samun right i'm tough (laughs) and i know and i can fight and i come from the youngest of eight and i have five brothers and three sisters that can whip my ass but it was one of those things where it's you know it wasn't that what people don't realize and stuff that's not you know i wasn't scared about getting hurt what really hurt was me getting to the highest point of my career playing in the nfl right and not being able to share it with anyone Right. Mm-hmm. Watching all, watching my friends, you know, you know, my, you know, the players, you know, bring their wives along or bring their girlfriends, you know, going to Christmas parties and stuff like that. That's what hurt me the most, right? Having to live my life alone. That's what people don't realize, right? That was it. I was, you know, I wanted what they had and something during that time in those days I couldn't have. Right. And so mentally, And physically it took a toll on me and it just really put me into a deep depression. Um, right. Cause I didn't have anyone to share my life with or anyone that I could, you know, feel, you know, feel, um, you know, feel that compassion with. And so that's what hurts more than anything else. How long were you in that depression? Um, basically all my life,
1: (laughs) you know,
0: uh, you know, you know, you, you sort of kind of don't know what it is, right? Uh, especially you know growing up poor in a Polynesian family, right? There's no therapy, or there's no money for therapy, or anything like that, right? It's one of it's actually sort of like that football, uh, you know, football, which got model, right? Get it done, right? Or you know, take care of it, or whatever it is. Um, so um, yeah, I I remember you know um, going into those like. Those slump times and stuff like that, but not really having, you know, or, you know, anyone diagnosing me with depression or anything like that. But it was, it, you know, it was one of the things I, like I told you before, I don't know how I did it, right? It's just happened. It's just, it's one of those things I think when you have the will and when you have, you just, you, if you have this, you know, the strength within yourself, right? And um, I think a lot of people, and let me reverse a little bit, a lot of people, Handle depression and hurt, and you know, in a different way. I'm thankful that I handled it in a way that it it was sort of helpful for me. So all the times that I was beat when I was a child, all the times that I was teased, bullied, um, molested as a child, what happened was I I didn't I didn't roll up. What I did and stuff, I turned all that negative energy, all those negative things happened to me, and for somehow or some way, I turned it into something positive for me. And, um, and I'm not sure what it is, but I just know every single day was a blessing for me. Every single day that sunrise, I just knew that there was hope for me. And so, you know, and you ask people, you know, there's, you know, you can ask so many different types of people, right? You know, what their story is or how did they cope with it? Everyone has a different story. I'm just thankful that all the things that happened to me, I was able to turn it around and say, you know what? I don't want that for my children. I don't want that for me anymore. I'm going to turn this around. And what I did is I put my head down and I studied and I worked hard. I thought, you know, I. I, you know, I thought outside of the box, you know, when all my friends were partying in college and doing all these, you know, doing drugs and stuff like that, I was in the gym and I was running and I was doing things that to better myself. And that right there, I think was the motivation, right? By just thinking of all the things that happened to me in my life in the past, it just motivated me to turn it into something positive. And man, if I needed to run you know, um, the 40 in a certain time, I made sure that I was out there training for it, right? Mentally as well as physically, right? And so, and I'm not, you know, and but the problem is when you're living with this crippling secret of being gay, all these emotions and these depressions come and go and you sort of have to find a way to fight them off, right?
1: And so I did. When you were training consistently, and going to the gym and working out and running from my own experience because I I go to the gym a lot. It's just so I can focus on that. And that's the time that I have for my physical exercise. And I don't think about anything else. So is that how you felt when you were consistently working out and, and doing all this training? Yeah. I think for my negativity.
0: Yeah. For me and stuff, I just think I knew, um, I knew and um, so when I started playing and playing football right in high school, and um, it was one of those things where um, it was something so extraordinary and different because I was good at it. And and what happened was uh, when I when I started playing football and getting all the praises and getting all the stats and getting all the awards and getting all like this is starting in high school. Right. Going up to it was one of those things where I just, you know, I was just, I, I got that craving, right, um, for that. Because what happened was it's, I was getting all these things that I never got when I was a young kid, right? I never, when I was growing up or anything like that. You know, people patting me on the back and stuff for something, you know, for me, you know, for something like doing the, you know, getting a tackle or, you know, or, or a sack or anything like that. It was just, it was such a different feeling for me when I had that success in football. And all the praises because it just put me in a different. And so what I did was I I, I yearned for that and I started working harder because I knew, you know, I knew and stuff that sort of kind of that's what drove me to that. Right. Another thing that drove me was the fear. Right. The fear of going back. Right. The fear of going back to the old ways or the, you know, I you know, it was just for me and stuff. I I had to push myself and, you know, tell myself it's not an option. Right. And so that's why I got into the gym. That's why I, you know, I started making sacrifices, you know, that my other friends didn't do
1: and stuff like that. Spending nine years as a leading tackle in the National Football League, what was the motivation you had when starting? And what was going through your mind when you became a pro? Wow. Um, That's a
0: good question. Um, when I got that phone call um, back in 1991 during draft day, um, I remember not even watching the draft during that time. I remember well, I was cleaning my place, like my house. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, and all my friends were, you know, they came over to watch the draft, and I, I didn't even have it on, right? And and they were like, "What the hell, dude?" You know, I mean, I came from a you know a school and stuff that our staff, you know, our our you know, I think the the four years I was there, we won like eight or nine games, right? Oregon State. I love my school. Don't don't get me wrong. So I didn't think I was going to get drafted, and so I remember um, um, them turning it on and then coming back to commercial from you know you know from commercial. The woman that was on there said we have the first difficult name of the draft, Ezra Tualapalopo, la you know, she didn't couldn't pronounce that
1: name. Right.
0: And the whole house got and I, the whole house just, you know, just exploded and everybody was in, you know, happy. But then there is me, right? Instead of being happy, I um I I I was I got a panic attack. Well I was fearful because my name was just announced on national television right and so and so i was thinking to myself holy someone's going to find out that i'm gay right and so it's just that that mindset that i have or we have as closeted athletes or you know closeted you know people in the lgbtq community right somebody finding out our crippling secret and taking everything that we work so hard away right just by that and so um uh, i remember um them announcing that and then getting a phone call from the coach lindy infante the head coach for the green bay packers i was drafted in the second round right uh 32nd pick in the second round which is very high and so it was like Talking to him, like I was sort of like shaken, right? And then um, he just said, congratulations. And um, you know, do you know where Green Bay is? I said yes, but he did not know where Green Bay was. (laughs) And uh, I just told him I had to call my mom. And so I called my mom just crying, but it was one of those things where, but I was also like, it took a day or two to sink in, but took a day and two that me, like I'm just waiting for somebody to call, like I'm gonna out you or do this, or you know, it's just, it's the craziest thing. But that's, you know, that was, you know, was my life, right? And so, um, but, um, you know, fast forwarding, and I remember walking into, you know, them flying me to Green Bay and walking into that locker room, I just knew it was real. And um, my whole thought process was, you know, I grew up poor, the youngest of eight in my family, and to be able to to take care of my mom was incredible, right? That was the biggest <laughs> thing for me. I just wanted to give back to mom, right? and. And so walking into that locker room, I just saw the opportunity. That I could, you know, it felt amazing to be able to buy her anything that she wanted, right? And believe me, my mom, she doesn't, you know, she will work, she'll, you know, she'll um, shop at Kmart instead of going to Saks Fifth Avenue, you know. So she was like, <laughs> she, you know, very frugal. But uh, but it was just amazing that feeling of walking in there, and um and and having that feeling. Um, but again, you know, it's the fear right, that I lived with that was took a toll on me, right? Um, people finding out that I was gay, uh, finding out my crippling secret. Um, you know, it was absolutely crazy, you know? And I remember, um, um, and people don't know this and well, a lot of people know, some of them, some people know, but I was the first rookie to start all 16 games for the Green Bay Packers back in oh. 1991, right? Um, and, but i you know it was crazy because i remember my first you know real game when i made the team and um um i, I you know I, I we ran a drill and i sacked the unsackable right um oh gosh i'm having a mind block but he you know for for the philadelphia eagles and i remember um blacking out on my first game Oh, because whoa. Um, because, um, I heard my name echo throughout the, uh, Randall Cunningham was his name, right? Like the quarterback after sacking him, I blacked out. And because it was, um, you know, I heard my name echo. And again, I say this, I was the fear of somebody finding out that you was gay, you, that I was gay. Right. And, you know, so, um, but that was like my first, you know, my, my, that first game and, you know, after that playing in NFL and starting, it felt, it felt amazing, but you know, you're always, it's sort of like, you know, the, the Spider-Man, right? You have the dark Spider-Man and you have the, the good Spider-Man, right? Yeah, it's yeah. sort of like you live this life, right? But then there's, there's this darkness that follows you everywhere you go. Right. And the fear that follows you everywhere you go when you do something well and when you make a sack or tackle or anything like that, it just hovers over you and stuff. And it was, you know, that's sort of like was my life, nine years playing in the NFL. Right. Um, and it was it was it was it was crazy. But it was, it's, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, I have to tell people this is um, it's like. You know, people, you know, always say like, oh my gosh, was it so difficult? Was it hard? Was this, it was hard, right? But it was my life. I'm not sure if you understand what I'm saying, right? It sort of becomes part of your life. The routine of getting up every morning, looking over your shoulder, making sure people don't, you know, making sure people don't, um, you know, to out you or find out you're gay or watching what you say so then people don't act as, you. it just became part of my life. So I didn't, that was became my normal, right? Every single day until I came out back in 2002, where it's like, oh, this is how it's supposed to feel, right? This is how I'm supposed to feel. I'm supposed to feel free like this. and. Wow, and if I felt this way playing in the NFL, man, sky would have been the limits, right? And <laughs> yeah. it would have been it would have been like seriously the strength, but try playing try doing something when you know you have a crippling secret. Try doing something as they would say half-assed, but you're not trying to do it half-assed, but you don't want to do something good most of the time because you don't want people to out you, right? Or you don't you don't want that attention on you, right? Can you imagine living that type of life, right? Or, I mean, you, know, you, you work so hard, it doesn't matter what profession you're in to like, get that advancement and stuff. And when you get there and you, know, you, just, you have this crippling secret that just sorta of kinda of holds you down. And that's what I was going through. Every single day, I played in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I, when I was uh, younger, I, I used to suffer from extreme um, uh, anxiety. And it, it cripples you so much.
0: Well, not that that, I mean, that's another thing, right? I mean, I you know, I took I took so much energy, wasted wasted energy making sure that I live far away from the facilities so no one could just stop in, right? Mm. It was just you know, it's just one of those things where and also like people always ask me that you know, the things that you went to, like, oh my gosh, like you know, what's the big deal or why is it the big deal? And exactly what you said right because it all could be taken away but mm. people don't realize and stuff that you know when you're living in that straight world when you're living with you know where you don't you you can't you won't be you know you can't lose anything right for who you decide to give your heart to you know and it's one of those things where if, you know i you know it's just crazy how you know i you know people just think it's no big deal right and But what I try to tell them, and when I go around the country and I speak to a lot of these high school and grade school and you know corporations and colleges, you know they they always ask me that question: What's the big deal, right? Well, for us, what the big deal is, we grow up with our families and our friends, and we foster our friendships and the love that we have between our family and friends and all of that, right? You you grow up with them and you create these bonds, and just to know in a second, if you tell them who you truly are, that when you tell them that you're gay,
1: you could lose them. You can't openly love anybody and you can't express the way that you feel. How does that feel? What's the big deal? <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like, no, what, exactly. do what do you mean? It's like, you've never been able to feel this before? Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, and just people are crazy. They don't understand, like, you know, just read the news or, you know, check out the kids and stuff that, you know, are depressed and commit suicide because of it, right? They tell their parents, You know, that they're gay and they get thrown out to the streets. And what the parents don't realize, and I try to work with a lot of these parents, it's like, you know, that's your child. That's your blood. That's your unconditional. You know, when you throw them out, what you're doing is you're killing them because most of them, you know, when you kick a child out to the street, you know, what comes prostitution, drugs and death, right? It's just yeah. one of things they don't realize that. And what people don't realize, like that still happens. I'm like, it just drives me crazy when people say that. Yes. Just seriously, like two months ago, this, you know, this kid came to me and stuff. Great relationship, football player, relationship with his dad, his mom, everything, Right go hunting with his dad, he goes, all of this. He told his dad that he was gay. The dad went back into his room, got the shotgun, came out and, sh- and pointed at him and said, get the fuck out of my house. It's like,
1: what? yes,
0: it still happens. Like, yes, this is why I go out there and speak all the time. Yes, this is why I try to educate people right this is why i try to, i'm mr aloha i try to put that love out into the universe right i have a you know i do a mr aloha you know show coffee, coffee talk on my instagram right it's oh, like oh,
1: that's that's I do
0: it. you know it's like i do it so i can you know you know you know i do it not for myself i do it for my children you know i'm not sure if you know i, I mean i have kids you know they're 21 years old they're not kids anymore but you know it's 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 just one of those things where it's just it's crazy when people
1: you know, just don't have no common sense. The reason why I have a huge amount of respect for you is because you never went down the path of. You're not a drug addict, and you're not an alcoholic, and you just haven't scrapped your life, and right. you and you've literally, with all of the 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 anxiety and the and the hardships that's happened in right. your past, you've been able to propel yourself forward and become. Now the person that you desire to be. Right. And that's and, and all so, because they came
0: out and lived. Yeah. In, yeah. And, and, so,
1: and so now what's happened? Because you've been able to really like just grab life to the fullest extent. Right. You're now in the position where you truly are powerful, where you're able to have a show and, and openly talk about your feelings. Because the other thing is that if you were to of not done any of this in your past and just become an alcoholic or a drug addict, and then and then today create a create a, a page where you openly talk about homosexuality, people would right. say, so that's why I have the highest respect for you is because uh, you, I appreciate that no I yeah, really yeah it's, I really do
0: but I have to tell you know people it's like um you know the great thing and stuff about coming out and. Uh, it's not. It's coming out, obviously, you do it for yourself, but then all the things that I put on a back burner, right? Singing, cooking, all of that, right? Everything that I was passionate about that I sort of put in the shadows. When you come out, you're able to go and just do that. And when people ask me what I do, I say, what I do? Um, I do anything that I'm in love with. <laughs> anything that I'm in, that I'm passionate with, you know? And that's that's what I do. And so it's just crazy because it got me the opportunity to be like on The Voice, season 13 of The Voice, to sing, right, And uh, at 50 years old. (laughs) So I find myself sort of kind of reinventing myself every single time, you know, um, when I feel like, you know, when I feel that I, you know, I I want to, or, or it's one thing, man, I always wanted to try that. So I would try it and then, You know, so it was just, it's crazy. I'm a chef, I'm the executive chef. I have a restaurant in Provincetown, Massachusetts. You know, I did, you know, chef dinners to galas, you know, to, you know, for fundraising and stuff. You know, my my dinners go for like 15 grand to cook for 10 people, right? So I just love that opportunity. Not like you said, being able to embrace every single thing right now and live life to the fullest and not have any regrets, you know? That whole saying of you know, um, what's the saying they always do? Live your best life. Well, I'm doing yeah, that right now. now. I'm living my best life, right, with my children. I'm living my best life with my friends, and with my family. Um, you know, and of course, it you know, there's difficult times that always comes somebody's way, but it's just great and stuff to be able to have that support that I never had when I was in the closet.
1: I had no idea that you um, love cooking that much. How did you start that?
0: Um, so I, um, uh, it's funny because I've done a lot of stuff for the Taste of the NFL. I've also done a lot of stuff for like the Food Network, and and you know, it's just something. You know, I, um, I'm the youngest of eight in my family, so that means when I was five years old, I was in the kitchen helping my mom, right? <laughs> so hey, all my recipes, friend. all everything that I do nowadays, obviously I've doctored them up to make it, you know, sort of my own. Um, you know, I just sort of kind of brought it out to life. And, um, and so I've been catering for the last 25, 30 years. I've done big weddings to intimate dinners and, and stuff like that. And I tell you, uh, I've worked under some amazing chef, Calvin Rowe out of Hawaii, who is a, a master chef also, you know, David Fima here from Italy and stuff. He's an amazing chef here, uh, which sort of kind of made, you know, uh, my food look pretty. <laughs> and not that big ginormous, you know, I mean, I was used to, to that cooking for the family type of, you know, but he made me, um, he took me under his wing and he made all my food look pretty and it was so amazing. And so I saw, I found that there was such a niche for that. And so I got asked from the Taste of the NFL, which is the hottest party in at the Super Bowl. Uh, they bring 36 chefs from around the country. A lot of them are like uh, uh, award winners and, and so they bring it they bring it to the Super Bowl and they create the biggest um restaurant. And so um they invited me to do it and I you know I did it for like 4 years and it's been incredible. So
1: oh, oh, uh, that's psycho. Cool.
0: Yeah, so you know you sort of kind of take something that you know, you know that falls into your lap and you run with it and it feels amazing, right? And so and I know people love my food. I have a sauce that we're going to be developing and um, taking, you know, all to the stores. You know, I have a I call it the teriyaki crack. You know, it's a uh, sauce that you know <laughs> That's- it's a family recipe. Uh, because when you when you eat it, you just want more of it. Uh also teriyaki <laughs> crap. Yeah. Yeah. Pineapple barbecue, you know, pineapple barbecue. Also, I do it like a chocolate gravy. It's like a mole, but it's uh, it's pollen, it's a teriyaki base. And so it's stuff I, I it just gave me being out, just gave me the opportunity to sort of explore so many options in my life, right? And uh and it's, it's, it, feels, it feels amazing, absolutely amazing. But again, I say this to you. If I felt this way playing nine years in NFL, holy, sky's mm. the limit. Like, seriously, I have film destroying people, right? And I have film, like, it's one of those things where, but the crazy thing when I came out in 2002, um, people sort of um, tried to erase me,
1: right? They Whoa, tried to- what? They try to
0: erase me. They tried to tell me, oh, you weren't a good player. They tried to tell me, you know, all of this, you know, stuff or you're uh, I was put on the bus list with the bus list is like a guy that got drafted, but not, you know, and I said, you know, it's funny because Brett Favre, if, you know, I think a lot of your um, listeners know who Brett Favre is. You know, he's the quarterback. He's a good friend of mine's. And he stuck up for me and he said, how can you put him on the bus list when he was the first rookie to start all 16 game, made the all rookie team? It's like, how can you put this guy, you know, and he has stats, right? So it's it's, it's the craziest thing. I have better stats than most of the NFL, you know, guys cool. that played in the NFL and I'm a bus, right? And I'm the, the horrible player or I get the, oh, you must have, you know, sat on the bench. I'm like, dude, use the Google, right? And Google my stats. It's sort of crazy, how again when you um when you apply or you know that gay lgbt fag queer to someone's life they automatically go to the negative right they automatically go to you know um you know to that degrading you in in some way
1: if they're putting you on the bus list <laughs> after you have uh completely you know finished everything imagine what they would have done to you if you came out while you were playing right yeah and, yeah could you imagine well there's bounties went- right there's bounties yeah, people yeah.
0: you guys heard about the big nfl thing that you know the bounty hunters and stuff like that you know from from the um you know from the minnesota vikings and new Orleans game where they had a bounty on brett Favre. actually a good my friend and so people don't realize they think that was bounce, something bounce, that just what, do happened. Mean, what do you mean by bouncing what was that well bounties where they offer money to take out someone right like within the organization so you know they used to they used to do that while i was playing right so how much you think it would be for the gay guy that came out right how many you know like you know to take me out and stuff like that right because it's just you know it's just it's I, crazy right
1: are you talking about um like Taking out as in the game, or taking out as
0: uh, as, no, not no, no, not not killing, but taking out (laughs) as yeah, like let's
1: clarify that. (laughs) I was like, whoa, this is gone. (laughs) if
0: If you google it, um, you can google um bounty NFL bounties and stuff. It, you know, it was a big deal when um, at one of the playoff games and stuff like that, where they offered you know the defense alignment some sort of compensation for taking out Brett Favre. And you could just see in that whole game, them just sort of high lowing him and cheap-shotting him. And it was just, it was crazy. So. Um, yeah, bullying. Yeah. The ultimate ultimate bullying. Yeah. yeah. And there's just coaches that I played with, right, who told me, like, to take somebody's knees out and stuff like that. I, I mean, I wouldn't do it because, you know, sorry, I was raised right. Right. But, and, you know, I would get, you know, um, so called on it or whatever, you know? So it's just the craziest thing, but there's a lot, there's a lot of that stuff happen that happens in NFL, right? And and so I, you know, it just, if I would have came out while I was still playing back and I say back in those days, it would have been a different story than nowadays, right? So nowadays we have, you know, the first, you know, openly gay active player, right? Carl Naseeb which is absolutely amazing. So when I came out in 2002, I started talk, uh, speaking during the speaking circuits to co- corporations on inclusion, diversity, acceptance, all of that, homophobia. Uh, I started doing that. And the number one question has always been, when will we get the first active NFL player, right? So when Carl came out, it was very emotional for me because I had the answer to that question everybody's been asking me, right? So now when I go and speak, I can tell them the answer, right? Uh, You know, June 22nd is when somebody came out, right? And it felt absolutely amazing, right? And so, um, and it was was a big forward step for our, you know, our movement as far as um, being accepted and people accepting who we truly are.
1: Mm -hmm. um, What's in the future for you?
0: Wow, the future. So I'm trying to, you know, I was on The Voice. I played in a Super Bowl. Um, um Gosh, the Super Bowl. Huh. Every single time I I think about the Super Bowl, sorry for sort of kind of going off track. But uh, oh, it's all good. Yeah, but it's one of the things where You know, I I use this when I speak, right? And I use this story a lot because it sort of kind of puts things in perspective, right, for anybody that's going through, you know, who has a secret or going through something. And so playing in the Super Bowl is like the icing on the cake, right? And the thing that hurts so much is that I wasn't able to share it with my partner at the time, Mitchell. I remember sitting there the first day um, in the lobby with all the other players, everybody laughing, giggling. Families are walking in, you know, players, families, introducing them to other players. Hey, this is Ezra. I'm like, hey, aloha, you know, and family members, girlfriends, wives. And then here comes Mitchell, and I give him a signal, um, and he turns the other way, and we meet, you know, uh, like, and then we meet in the room, living in the shadow. Right. Whoa. But that, you know, people don't realize that um, those are memories I can't get back. Right. There's those things and stuff that I can. Going to the Super Bowl is not like an everyday thing. Going to the Super Bowl is like once. There's teams that have never been to the Super Bowl. There's players that have played in the Super Bowl that have never been, have played in the Super Bowl. And so just that feeling of not being able to introduce him to the players. That hurt a lot. And losing a game that um losing a game that we should have won, right? We were the number one red zone team in the country. We were in a red zone seven times and we scored three. So the hurtfulness of that, right? It was just crazy because you know, I remember getting off the bus and I was sitting in the back and watching the players get off and embracing their wives and their girlfriends and you know, crying and because we should have won. And and I walk off and Mitchell's there and he wants to hug me, but I walk past him, right? Oh. And so, and I meet him in the room and I just break down and I put it, I think I punched a hole in the wall because I was just so angry, right? That I couldn't embrace him, right? I felt ashamed um, that I neglected him in that way i dishonored him in that way so so every time the superboy you know think about that it's just it hurts right it hurts a lot and i don't think people realize right it doesn't do anything for your mental health it doesn't do anything for you know um and it's crazy and so i use that story and then i tell you what people it puts people in perspective this you know when i tell you them that story right um but another thing is stuff I, you know, people, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. I grew up in that Pentecostal Assembly of God Hallelujah Church and so I know I know a thing about the Bible and so when I bring up the Bible in my speeches, people get they, they get surprised and, you know, like how, you know, why, you know, there's all these questions on that, you know. But I know God loves me because I've read the book multiple times. And if you don't know the book, then take a seat because you won't have anything on me. So so it's one of the things where I just I don't know I don't know why that came up, but I think it's very important and stuff that people realize you know that because in um, in our world and I'm, it's, religion has always been um, our enemy, right? And but then what I try to tell a lot of my LGBTQ uh, brothers and sisters is that don't turn your backs on God, but turn your back on religion, right? Because God will always be there for you and. You know i have to tell you this and stuff i think that thing that always pulled me through in those hard times and those things times when i just sort of wanted to give up playing in the nfl or when i was a little kid you know getting you know getting beat or molested or whatever it was him that and you know i know you know a lot of people the question well why would he you know put you in that situation but for me that's what sort of kind of pulled me through you know and as Mm you you know we move forward and stuff in the future. You know what's in store for the future and what am I going to do in the future? Anything that I fucking want to do. I'm sorry, can I swear? I'm sure yeah, if I don't sure. Yeah, you sure. know, and that's the beauty of it, right? I can do anything. You know, right now I have, I have an organization called Hate Is Wrong, and we foster diversity and inclusion and educate people on who we are as athletes, gay athletes, in the community and um and so that's what you know that's what you know we do a big super bowl party just to bring awareness and educate people um you know we raise money for anti bullying programs um this next week i am uh, we we're sponsoring um the second ever gay prom here in minnesota you know before it used to just be them meeting in like in a hall and playing music and eating pizza but you know me uh we were gonna sponsor it and just make it a special and incredible um event for them uh, and that's uh so that's in the, f- the near future but as far as you know in life and stuff like that i'm dating a fantastic guy and um you know i work with a bunch of other some you know good charities and and i just try to give back to the community whenever i can um the one of the things i was in the super bowl i um i was on the voice Singer. I'm an executive chef of a restaurant. I think the next thing I want to do is I want to, I want to be in a uh, a, a, a picture a film, you know? So if anyone's listening out there and they need a six, four, 200, you know, 280 pounds Samoan, let me know. <laughs> but <laughs> I've done a lot of uh, theater work, uh, but I think that's what I want to do. I either want to do my own sitcom um, that we're working on, uh, or I want to, um, I want to be in a, a film something big, which is, I think it's possible and doable. So I think that's the next, you know, adventure for a Tuolo to do
1: that. Yeah, well, actually, I was about to say, seeing that you have had an act for most of your life, I think <laughs> no. perfect for um for, for the big screen. You know? Yeah,
0: you're like, do you have any acting experience? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, all my life.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. you're you I've been
0: acting happy all my life. You want to be sad?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah it's like, well, where do you study life? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every yeah. day, yeah. every day, all day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You Want me to break down in tears? I can get it right now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but this is you know seriously. This is absolutely fun and amazing. Like, some doing something you know from you know across the world. You know this is amazing how technology can just embrace and connect us right that's that's pretty cool so
1: yeah definitely and yeah man i just have to say that i'm extremely proud of you as a person and i think that what you're doing is fantastic for so many people you're truly a a shining light and what could have been a very dark time for many people
0: that's what i'm here for i think this is the reason why i've been put on this earth is to try to educate people and help and if you know if you stay focused to that i think that's uh you know i've done what i you know i've done what i came to do
1: yeah hey thank you so much for being on the show
0: all right aloha
1: <laughs> Aloha. <laughs>